Good evening. I'm Robert Polito, director of the writing program at the New School. I want to welcome you to this rare reading by Sam Shepard, who'll be reading from Cruising Paradise, his fierce and quietly magical new collection of tales and stories. This evening's program is jointly sponsored by the Penn American Center, Alfred A. Knopf, and the New School Writing Program. I'm very pleased to say that Joseph Chaikin, one of the great figures of the contemporary theater, is also here, and he will introduce Sam Shepard. The founder of the New York City-based open theater, Joseph Chaikin is also the author of a valuable original book, The Presence of the Actor. An accomplished actor, director, and teacher, Mr. Chaikin's many honors comprise, among others, the Vernon Rice Award and four Obie Awards, including the first Lifetime Achievement Obie Award in 1977. Over the past decade, Joseph Chaikin has been acclaimed for the theatrical pieces inspired by his recovery process following an aphasic stroke he experienced during open heart surgery in 1984. These remarkable pieces include Night Sky, developed with Susan Yankovich, Struck Dumb, in collaboration with John Claude Van Italy, and War in Heaven, in collaboration with Sam Shepard. In 1992, he directed Bill Irwin in Text for Nothing by Samuel Beckett at the Joseph Papp Public Theater, where he is currently developing a new production about disabilities entitled Eclipse. And this summer, he's also collaborating with Sam Shepard on a new piece to be premiered at the Cultural Olympiad of the 1996 Summer Games in Atlanta. Please join me in welcoming Joseph Chaikin, who will introduce Sam Shepard. I first met Sam Shepard over 30 years ago. He was a waiter. <laughs> he had just started writing plays. We were both inviting to dinner out uptown. After dinner, Sam walked downtown. We walked 80 blocks. All the way we, to the East Village, we walked and walked and walked and talked. When we reached the village, we were friends. When I founded the Open Theater in 1763, we became colleagues. The first time we worked together was on a film, Robert Frank's Me and My Brother. Sam helped write the script and worked as an actor. We was working together on Michelangelo Antonio's film, Zipersky Point. In 19... Sam wrote a very important scene from Nighthawk, last project of the Open Theater. Sam and I continued to write letters and talk about new ways to work together. We're interested in the idea of reincarnation, idea of Sufis and Buddhas, Buddha, and we wrote a play called Tongs. Later, we liked the idea of romantic love, we wrote Savage Love Second. Then Sam and I became interested in the subject of angels. We began work on a play at Harvard, but the project was, was interrupted. First by Sam 
other commitments. And later I bent my, my stroke, my aphasia. When I returned home, Sam drove from California to New York. We finished the play, The War in Heaven. And now we have written a new play together. The title is When the World Was Green. Chef Fable. This summer I will direct the play with the Culture Olympiad in Atlanta. I met Sam in New York, then later in San Francisco, then in London, then in Sweden, then in Los Angeles, and then back in New York again. Sam has so much talent for writing. <laughs> and I know him for over 30 years. 30 years. He's fun. <laughs> he has, has a gift. Sam has written many excellent plays, including Cowboys, The Tooth of Crime, and Bear Child, which is now playing in Broadway. Signature Theatre will be dedicated in their next season to Sam's work. Recently, I read the three short stories in New Yorker magazine. Sam wrote fiction. It's wonderful stories, surprising stories. In me, there'll be a new book with Sam's stories. Sam is an artist, a remarkable, remarkable creative mind. He's never sure what he will do next, but I know he'll write another play. Another, another. Again, I'm happy and privileged to introduce my good friend, Sam Shepard. playing now. I'm supposed to burst into this shack on a rundown tobacco plantation and discover that my childhood friend, whom I haven't seen for 20 years, has hanged himself from the rafters. The friend is played by a dummy, complete with broken neck, bulging eyeballs, phony blood trickling out its mouth, and all its skin turned puffy and milky white. Anybody can tell it's a dummy. It wouldn't fool a house dog. But I'm supposed to somehow muster up the belief that this is indeed my long-lost buddy. He bears no resemblance to anyone I've ever met, dead or alive. I've seen corpses, but they never look like this one. The only dead things I've seen hanging were deer and pheasant. I've been in the presence of death several times, but the memory of these dying ones doesn't provoke anything like the correct response to this situation. Grief is different from horror. I know what my character's reaction should be, but I know if I try to imitate this idea in my head, it will come out being exactly what it is, an imitation. So I cast my fate to the wind and try to just wing it on the first take. No rehearsal, just wing it, see what happens. I burst into the shack and discovered the swinging, phony corpse, but just as I look up at it, the entire door of the shack breaks off its hinges, 
and slams me square in the head. <laughs> it's a rude awakening. As I'm recovering from the blow, it occurs to me that this might be, in fact, a way to approach the moment of the character's discovery, as though he's been hit in the head by a door. <laughs> Why not? I haven't come up with anything else. On the second take, after the door's been remounted, I try it this way. I wing it. The director says, yes, yes, but it appears to me more uh, physical than psychological. Why is that? <laughs> oh, you, you want psychological, I say? I, I didn't know you were looking for that. <laughs> well, psychological is perhaps the wrong word. But you know what I mean, something to do with his torment. Ah, okay, okay. Psychological torment, okay. Well, these, these, these are perhaps not the right words. I just wasn't sure what it was you were responding to in that moment. I was trying to play it as though he'd just been hit in the head by a door. <laughs> I see, but why? What has this got to do with the situation, he said. I don't know. I thought it might work. I'm desperate for suggestions. <laughs> well, he says, it's very simple. You haven't seen your dear friend for 20 years. You walk in, discover that he's hanged himself from the rafters. It's quite different from being hit in the head by a door, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose you're right. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I was just, I was experimenting. Good. That's good. I love experimenting. I'm an experimenter myself. Just try another experiment. <laughs> Are you ready? Are we ready, everyone? Let's try another one. Ready, I said. Good. Camera, camera, let's have silence, please. Silencio, we're going to go again. On the third take, I burst into the shack. The door stays on its hinges. I don't play as though I've been hit in the head by it. I stare up at the phony corpse. Nothing happens. I see a prop radio on a bench, and for some reason I stagger over toward it and turn it on. Cut! Cut! He screamed. I don't understand this either. What's happening here? Why, why are you all of a sudden turning the radio and I don't get this? I have no idea, I say. It was, it was just an impulse. Good! Very good! I love impulses. It's the way I love to work myself. Instinctually, that's very good. Let's try again. But I thought you said you didn't understand it. I don't, but it's very mysterious. It has a mysterious quality. It might be good. It gives me an idea. What if the radio is already on and it's playing as you burst in the door? Then you see the corpse, you cross to the radio, and you turn it off. Shall we try it like that? You mean <coughs> turn it off as opposed to turning it back on? Exactly, he says. That's exactly right. You turn the radio off. That's the only thing you want to change? That's it. Everything else is perfect. Okay. On the fourth take, I burst in, discover the corpse. The radio is playing. I cross over to it and just stand there staring at it. The camera keeps rolling on my back and the radio keeps playing. Cut! Cut! Did we forget something? He says. <laughs> well, you know, I was wondering. I was trying to follow this new impulse that came up. Which one was that? I was just wondering what it'd be like to keep listening to the radio for a while after seeing my buddy hanging there. <laughs> yes, but for how long, he says. <laughs> we can't just keep rolling film on your back. It's not interesting. <laughs> right, I, I see your point. 
Let's try one more, please. We, we've almost got it. I feel good about this. I think we're very, very close. <laughs> On the fifth take, I burst in the door, discover my dummy buddy, walk straight to the playing radio and snap it off. Cut! Cut, 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 cut. Now what I feel, what I'm feeling now is that it's too automatic. He just walks over there, turns the radio off, and nothing's happened. There's no, no reason. I, it's lost all its mystery now. I felt that too, I said. <laughs> I felt that from the very start, a lack of mystery. Let's try one more. We're very close now, I can feel it. On the sixth take, I burst in the door, discover the corpse, pause for a second, cross to the radio, pause again, then I smash the radio to the floor with my fist. I just cold cocked the son bitch. <laughs> Cut! Cut! He says, that's perfect, absolutely perfect. That's the one. Print that one. It was perfect. This one's called Gary Cooper or the Landscape. Why don't you fly? I find that so fascinating. I don't know. I just don't. You drive everywhere? Yeah, or take trains. I love trains. Me too. I used to take them all the time when I was a child in Sweden, all over Europe. Yeah. They rock you to sleep, just like a mother. But say you have to be in Los Angeles suddenly. How do you get there? I never have to be anywhere suddenly. <laughs> but your work, sometimes you must have to work in Los Angeles. Yeah, then I drive. Across the entire country? Right. How far is that? It's a long, long way. It must be thousands of miles. It is. So you've done this many times, I guess. Many, many times. I've always wanted to do this. I must try it sometime. I've heard so much about this country, but never really seen it. You know, I mean, other than New York and L.A. You should try it. Well, what do you do? Is there a particular route you take? <coughs> highway 40 West. <laughs> is that the main highway? Yeah, it, it replaced the old Route 66, Grapes of Wrath, Henry Fonda, you know, get your kicks on Route 66. I see, but uh, aren't there little highways left that might be more interesting? What are you interested in? I mean, the main highway must be so synthetic, isn't it? They're all made out of asphalt. <laughs> no, but I mean the, the, the surrounding areas, the little communities. There are no communities. But there must be little towns left, little side roads. They're all the same. But there's some that are more picturesque, more authentic. They're all authentic. I see. Well, where do you stay when you're on the road like that? I sleep in my truck. Oh, you have a truck? I do, yes. I love trucks. Yeah. <laughs> Trucks and trains. I just, I just love them. You should get a truck. <laughs> oh, no. Why not? Get a truck and drive. No, no, no. I get so bored with myself driving all that way alone. Don't you ever get bored? No. You travel all by yourself and you never get bored? Never. 
I don't know if I could stand it all that way across the country. It's so huge. How many days does it, does it take you? Five, usually. Depends. Sometimes I stop along the way. You must have a lot of girlfriends in different towns. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> don't you get lonely? Sometimes. I would get so lonely, I think. Yeah, you probably shouldn't try it. <laughs> oh, but, but I must, I feel as though I'm missing out on something. Since I was a little girl, I've dreamed about the West. In Sweden? Yes, oh yes, I, I used to have visions about it. Visions? Vistas would appear. Where did you hear about the West in Sweden? Movies, American movies. We see that great landscape in our dreams. It haunts us. So it's the landscape that grabs you more than the characters? Yes, that vast background. So in Sweden, when you're watching an American Western, you're all staring at the background, is that it? <laughs> I suppose it's so evocative to us, all that space. Sweden is very close. So it doesn't matter who's in the Western. It could be John Wayne or Jerry Lewis, because everyone's captured by the landscape. Well, we, we love the actors, too, of course. Who's your favorite? Mine, personally? Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Well, I guess I would have to say Gary Cooper. The Coop. Oh, yes, he per personified something, I think. What was that? Excuse me? That he personified. Oh, I don't know. That wonderful mixture of shyness, how do you say it? Vulnerability, I suppose, and yet strong at the same time. It's very Western. Women love that. They do. Oh, yes, it's very attractive, I think. Why is that? I don't know. You're making me blush. I am? <laughs> yes, you know you are. You're embarrassed? Well, no, not exactly. But when you get right down to brass tacks, which is more important, Gary Cooper or the landscape? <laughs> oh, I would hate to have to choose between them. <laughs> Say you had to. Say it was a question of life or death. <clears throat> I would have to say the landscape. There you go. But I love them both. Thank you. This is from... Um, this is kind of a mix, actually, of different stuff. This is from a play called a Angel City. I look at the screen and I am the screen. I'm not me. I don't know who I am. I look at the movie and I am the movie. I am the star. I am the star in the movie. For days I am the star and I'm not me. I'm me being the star. I look at my life when I come down. I look and I hate my life when I come down. I hate my life not being a movie. I hate my life not being a star. I hate being myself in my life, which isn't a movie and never will be. I hate having to eat, having to work, having to sleep, 
having to go to the bathroom, having to get from one place to another with no potential, having to live in this body which isn't a star's body and all the time knowing that stars exist, that there are people doing nothing all their life except being in movies, doing nothing but swimming and drinking and laughing and being driven to places full of potential. People never having to feel hot pavement or having to look at weeds growing through cracks in the city. People never having to look the city square in the eyes. People living in dreams which are the same dreams I'm dreaming but never living. (laughs) This is from um, True West. All right, now read it back to me. I'm not reading it back to you, Lee. You can read it when we're finished. I can't spend all night of this. You got better things to do? Let's just go ahead. Now, now what happens when he leaves Texas? Is he ready to leave Texas yet? I know we were that far along. He's not ready to leave Texas. He's right at the border. No, 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 no. See, this is one of the crucial parts right here. You can't rush through this. He's not right at the border. He's a good 50 miles from the border. A lot can happen in 50 miles. It, it's, it's only an outline. We're not writing an entire script now. Well, you can't leave things out even if it is an outline. It's one of the most important parts. You can't go leaving it out. Okay, okay, okay. Let's just uh, get it done. All right. Now, he's in his truck, and he's got his horse trailer and his horse. Yeah, we've already established that. And he sees this other guy coming up behind him in another truck, and that truck is pulling a gooseneck. What's a gooseneck? Cattle trailer. You know the kind where the gooseneck goes right down the bed of the pickup? All right. It's important. Okay, I got it. All these details are important. (laughs) I've got it. And this other guy's got his horse all saddled up in the back of the gooseneck. Right. So both these guys have got their horses right along with them, see? I understand. Then this guy suddenly realizes two things. The, The guy in front. The guy in front realizes two things almost at the same time, simultaneous. <clears throat> and what were the two things? Number one, he realizes that the guy behind him is the husband of the woman he's been... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Number two, he realizes he's in the middle of tornado country. <laughs> What's tornado country. Panhandle. Panhandle. Sweet water. Around that area. Nothing. Nowhere. And number three, I thought there was only two. (laughs) There's three. There's a third unforeseen realization. (laughs) And and what's up? That he's running out of gas. (laughs) Come on, Lee. What do you mean, come on? That's what it is. Write it down. He's running out of gas. It's too what? It's too what? It's too real. That's what you mean, isn't it? It's too too much like real life. It's not like real life. It's not enough like real life. Things don't happen like that. What? Men don't fuck other men's women? 
Yeah, but they don't end up chasing each other across the panhandle through <laughs> tornado country. They do in this movie. And they don't have horses conveniently along with them when they run out of gas. And they don't run out of gas either. These guys run out of gas. This is my story and one of these guys runs out of gas. Just a dumb excuse to get them into a chase scene. It's it is a chase scene. It's already a chase scene. They've been chasing each other for days. Oh, so now they're supposed to abandon their trucks, climb on their horses, and chase each other into the mountains. There aren't any mountains in the panhandle. It's flat. God damn these crickets. Shut up out there. Places like a fucking rest home here. How are you supposed to think? You want to take a break? No, I don't want to take a break. I want to get this done. This is my last chance to get this done. All right, take it easy. I'll be leaving this area. No time to mess around here. Where are you going? Never mind where I'm going. That's got nothing to do with you. I just got to get this done. I'm not like you, hanging around being a parasite off of other fools. I got to do this thing and get out. Look, I'll write this for you, Lee. I don't mind writing it. I just don't want to get all worked up about it, okay? It's not worth it. Now, come on. Let's just get through this, okay? Okay. Let's write. So they take off after each other straight into an endless black prairie. The sun is just coming down and they can feel the night at their backs. What they don't know is that each one of them is afraid, see. Each one separately thinks that he's the only one that's afraid. And they keep riding like that, straight into the night, not knowing. And the one who's chasing doesn't know where the other one is taking him. And the one who's being chased doesn't know where he's going. Thanks. Um, this is from uh, Motel Chronicles. When I encountered the star's stand-in as the elevator doors slid open, and I was stepping out as she was stepping in at 4 a.m., and I saw that she was radically stoned, I asked her one on. She said, six Valium and white wine, because this was our last day of shooting, so she thought she'd celebrate by bawling someone on the crew and getting zipped. Since this was her hometown, she'd be staying right here while we'd be moving on in the agony of being just a local stand-in left behind in a town she ached to be out of was bearing down on her now with real force and it made me suddenly reashamed of being an actor in a movie at all and provoking such stupid illusions. So I took her to my room with no designs on her body at all and she was desperately disappointed. Tried to throw herself out my window I said, look, it's not worth it. It's just a dumb movie. She said, it's not as dumb as life.
No, Mama, I'm, I'm still in South Dakota. Oh, that's right. Your bull called me from out there. He did? What did he want? He said he'd lost you temporarily. He's not my bull, Mama. He's my husband. Oh, that's right. And it's not temporary either. It's forever. What is? The loss. Oh, well, when are you coming back home then? I've got a job out here now, Mama. I'm working again. Why are you doing that? We've separated. I need to make some money. You and your bow? My husband, Ma. You're not together? That's right. We were, we, we've separated forever. I just told you. Well, when did all this happen? A few days ago. Uh, actually, it's been going on for quite a while. What has the split? Oh, I didn't know that. I, I didn't realize. Yeah. Anyhow, I'm working again. Well, what line of work are you following now? I'm working at the Happy Chef. What's that? Restaurant, Mama. I'm a, I'm a waitress again. Happy Chef. I never heard of that one. They have them out here, not out there. Never heard of it. What's it like, a, a Dairy Queen or something? Yeah, something like that, yeah. You were never that before, were you, a waitress? Yeah, Mama, don't you remember up by the lakes that one summer? Oh, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? I guess so. I don't remember you being a waitress up there, though. Yeah, I had a, a blue uniform. Remember, this one's brown. Which one? This one I've got on right now. I wear, I wear it all the time. I really like it a lot. I've got a brand new nameplate, too, with a brand new name. What do you mean, a new name? Rita. I, I've changed my name to Rita Olson. <laughs> what kind of name is that? It's half Spanish, half Swedish. <laughs> I, I just came up with it. Well, you're not Spanish or Swedish. I know, I just invented it. Well, you can't change your name like that, can you, just out of the blue? Why not? Why would you want to change your name at this late date? It's just a disguise. Disguise? So he can't find me. He's been looking for you? He tried to shoot me. No. Good Lord. He did. Shot a hole right through my windshield. Are you all right? Yeah, sure, he missed me by a mile. You know, all those guns he always drags around with him, he can't even shoot straight. Well, did you report him to the police? No, he won't try it again. How can you be sure about that? I've just got a feeling. Well, I think you ought to have him arrested. He just can't go around shooting at people. That's not right. Things are different out here. When are you coming back home? I don't know, Mom. Why are you dating a man who carries guns anyway? I thought you were smarter than that. I'm not dating him, Mama. I'm married to him. Don't you remember? No. 
we got married a long time ago. We got married out here, as a matter of fact. It was in the spring. I remember you going out there on a train, but I don't remember any man. We came back and lived with you for three months, me and him. Oh, that's right. But he was very sweet, that one. That's not the same man who carries guns, is it? Yeah, it's the same one. Why would he want to carry guns? He seems so sweet. He's crazy. <laughs> no, 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 it's not the same man because the man I remember you bringing home used to help me with the dishes and the firewood. He was always bringing me things from the store. He shoveled snow off the driveway that one winter when we had that bad blizzard. You, you remember? No. That couldn't be the same man, because I remember telling you at the time that that was the man you ought to marry, but you wouldn't listen to me. It's the man I did marry. I don't remember saying, I remember saying you'll never find another one like that in a million years, someone who takes care of you and watches out for the house. I got to go, Mama. Where are you going now? I got to get to work. What time is it out there? Oh, we're an hour ahead of you, I think. You work at night? Yeah, I'm a waitress, Mama. I like it. I get to sleep all day. You should come home. I might. You don't belong out there. What's out there anyway? Just space, I guess. We've got that here. There's space here. It's not the same. Don't change your name. Whatever you do, it's a sin to do that. I've got to go, Mama. Please, don't change your name. It's just temporary, Mama. Thank you. Uh, this one's from a little play called Action. That we first, I guess we did this at the American Place a long time ago. Just because we're surrounded by four walls and a roof doesn't mean a thing. It's still dangerous. The chances of something happening are just as great. Anything could happen. Any move is possible. I've seen it. You go outside, the world's quiet, white, everything resounding. Not a sound of a motor, not a light. You see into the house, you see the candles, you watch the people, you can see what it's like inside. The candles draw you. You get a cold feeling being outside, separated. You have an idea that being inside, it's cozier, friendlier, warmth, people, conversation, everyone using a language. Then you go inside. It's a shock. It's not like how you expected. You lose what you had outside. You forget that there even is an outside. The inside is all you know now. You hunt 
for a way of being with everyone, a way of finding out how to behave. You find out what's expected of you, and you act yourself out. Um, this is from uh, Fool for Love. I thought you're supposed to be a fantasist, right? Isn't that the, basically the deal with you? You dream things up? Isn't that true? I don't know. You don't know. Well, if you don't know, I don't know who the hell else does. I want to show you something, something real, okay? Something actual. Take a look at that picture on the wall over there. You see that? Take a good look at that. You see it? Yeah. You know who that is? Mm. Not sure. Barbara Mandrell. <laughs> That's who that is, Barbara Mandrell. You ever heard of her? Sure. Well, would you believe me if I told you I was married to her? No. Well, see now, <laughs> that's the difference right there. See, that's realism. I am actually married to Barbara Mandrell in my mind. <laughs> Can you understand that? Sure. Good. I'm glad we have an understanding. Thank you. <clears throat> do you want to turn back and head home? We could do that if you want. Why would I want to go home? Well, I don't know. We've come this far. How many miles have we come? Anyway. Well, not too many. 300 maybe, that's all. 300? We've done more than that. Well, maybe four. That's a lot. That's a lot to turn around and go back. I know, but if you're not having a good time, there's no point in going on. I'm fine. You hungry? There's not going to be anything open now. Well, that Exxon had a little quick stop connected to it, I think. What Exxon? That one just off the interstate right there at the exit where we got off. You're not going all the way back to the highway, are you? If you're hungry, I will. What do you mean if I'm hungry? You're the one that's hungry. Yeah, I, I am. I'm starving, as a matter of fact. What are they going to have at the Exxon? Yeah, I don't know, tortilla chips, chili dogs, whatever. No thanks. Well... I think I'll head back there and pick up something. You're going to eat just to eat? <laughs> well, just some potato chips, maybe. Great. You're going to just leave me here? Well, I did. Just for a second, I'll be right back. Are you that hungry? 
I'm pretty darn hungry. <laughs> we just ate about an hour ago. We did. Can't you remember we stopped at the Dairy Queen, another one of your favorites? Yeah, that was just for a malt, though. How much do you need? All I've had is some carrot juice since we left home. That's all I've had. Well, your system's purer than mine. Not a question of pure. I've, I've become dependent on protein. I've, I've been driving all day. You don't need protein to drive. Yeah, look, it won't take me two seconds to run down there and run right back. You're going to stop and have a drink, I bet. Hmm? That's it, isn't it? It's got nothing to do with hunger. All right, look. I'm going to run down to the Exxon, pick up a roast beef sandwich or something, something good and healthy, and then I'm going to turn around and head right straight back here. Now, do you want something to eat or not? I'm fine. It was dark now on the frontage road as he passed an Indian family in an old Ford pickup with about seven kids piled in the back. Two older boys were standing with their hands braced on the roof of the cab and their long black hair blowing straight out behind them like crow's wings. The driver looked like he might be their grandfather. That was the only vehicle he passed. Sheet lightning revealed neat rows of round bales and a herd of white and tan longhorns as though they were suddenly standing in bright daylight then vanishing back into the blackness. The whole flat horizon lit up and blinked silver and gold, but there was no sound of thunder, no rain. He peeked in his rearview mirror to see if the two Indian boys might have turned around to watch his car go by, but the truck had gone. When his eyes shifted back to the road, the center stripe had disappeared. He felt like he was falling just for a second. get it in our head. I am a man not to be trusted. Let's repeat. (laughs) I am a man not to be trusted. Good. I am a man to which the truth is an ever-shifting phenomenon. (laughs) I am a man to which, to which, To which, yes, that's right, to which. Seems like an odd way to put it. Just repeat. (laughs) To which. I am a man to which the truth is... All right. I am a man to which truth is an ever-changing, ever-shifting, ever-shifting phenomenon. Very good. Very good. I'm a man bewildered and incapable of remembering. 
I am a man <laughs> bewildered and incapable of remembering my many personal disasters. <laughs> I'm an incapable man. No, 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 no. I'm a man incapable. I am a man incapable. Bewildered and incapable, right? Bewildered and incapable. Of remembering, of remembering. My many personal, my many personal disgraces. No, no, disasters. My many personal disasters. Why can't you get this? What's the matter with disgraces? Disgrace is too light. It carries no weight. If it were simply disgrace, we wouldn't be going through this, would we? All right, my many personal disasters, Jesus. That's right, I am a man bewildered and incapable of remembering my many personal disasters. That's what I said. Good, and therefore I am doomed to repeat them forever and ever into eternity. And therefore I am doomed to repeat them forever and ever you repeat them forever and ever. Into eternity. Repeat what? My disaster. What in the world's wrong with you? Why can't you get this? Can we take a break now? No. Absolutely not. Just a short one. No. I need to take a leak. Not yet. Now repeat. I am a man. I am a man. I am a man who's lost all control of his senses. I'm a man who's lost all control of his senses. All control of his mind. All control of his mind. All control of his heart. All control of his heart. All control of his soul. All control of his soul. And therefore, I willingly and earnestly, and therefore, I willingly and earnestly, turn myself over completely, turn myself over to the care and trusted instruction, to the care and trusted instruction of my longtime mentor and personal bodyguard, <laughs> my longtime mentor and personal bodyguard. That's you, right? That's me. That's what I thought. Can I take a leak now? Yes, you may. from uh, action again. One night, there was some moths, a bunch of moths. In the distance, they could see a candle, just one candle in the window of a big house. The moths were tormented by this candle. They longed to be with this candle, but none of them understood it or knew what it was. The leader of the moths sent one of them off to the house to bring back some information about this light. The moth returned and reported that he had, what he had seen, but the leader told him that he hadn't understood anything about the candle. So another moth went to the house. 
He touched the flame with the tip of his wings, but the heat drove him off. When he came back and reported, the leader still wasn't satisfied, so he sent a third moth out. This moth approached the house and saw the candle flickering inside the window. He became filled with love for this candle. He crashed against the glass and finally found a way inside. He threw himself on the flame. With his forelegs, he took hold of the flame and united himself joyously with her. He embraced her completely, and his whole body became red as fire. The leader of the moths, who was watching from far off with the other moths, saw that the flame and the moth appeared to be one. He turned to the other moths and said, he's learned what he wanted to know, but he's the only one who understands it. This is called opuestos. Why are you always crossing the river? What do you do over there anyway? I like it. Yes, but what do you do? Why, why were you gone all day today, for instance? Los gallos. What? Los gallos. Don't talk Mexican to me. You know, I can't stand that. Roosters. That's why you come back splattered in chicken blood and smelling like a dead man? Chicken fights? See, si, los gallos. What is that awful smell you always come back with? Sotol. That white stuff? Sotol koyami, homegrown. Why does it make you smell like that? Cactus. I don't understand you. No, it's true. I never will understand you. Probably not. Who are these women in the back of the truck? Gabriel's sisters. Sure, they are. Ask them. I don't speak Spanish. Ask them in English, they'll tell you. You were gone all day with them? They rode and back. Now you come back and it's already night, pitch black night? They rode and back. They sat on the spare tires the whole way, just like they're sitting now, wrapped in blankets. Ask Gabriel, what did you do over there with them? I told you. Cockfights? That's all you did? Watch a bunch of poor dumb chickens rip each other to ribbons? We stopped and bought a mule. A mule? A white one. He just appeared behind a salt cedar, and we saw him pure white. Why are you always going over there? Can't you find what you want in Texas? Texas is tame. Tame? Yeah. Texas is tame? That's your answer? I have no answer. I'm going back. Jump in the truck. I'm walking back. Come on, jump in the truck. You can ride up in front. Oh, so I can ride in front. What about your Mexican girls? They ride in back. To them, we're still in Mexico. Siempre in Mexico. They don't care about the river. I'm walking. Wait a minute, I'll walk with you. I'm walking alone. Was that you singing before out here on the sandbar? 
Don't follow me. I'm walking alone. You stay here with your Mexican girls. Beautiful singing. We stopped the truck to cool the oil down before we crossed back over, and we heard this singing. At first I thought it was livestock. Then it sounded human. It was human. It was me. What were the words? I was singing in order to feel less alone. It's spooky out here at night. There's bats flying just above the water. But now I'm back. Yeah, and I feel more alone than ever. You're walking away from me, that's why. Why can't you just stay home? You should come over with me sometime. You'd like it. Mexico scares me. I've told you that. Why? I don't speak the language. That's no reason. Everything about it terrifies me. I always think I'm about to be murdered over there. Even in the open? Yes. Even more so in the open. The plants, the animals, even the rocks are terrifying. I'm not afraid of rocks. No, it's what they imply. This menacing wildness. All humans are foreigners over there. Even Mexicans. You have no business going over there all the time. One day you'll be killed. Wait and see. I mind my own business. I never insult anyone. You're riding with Mexican women. That's already an insult to them. They're Gabriel's sisters. That's what you say. Just jump in the truck. Why don't you just go over there and live if you like it so much? Why even bother coming back here? I come back because of you. Why me? I'm the opposite of you. Maybe that's it. Uh, this is from uh, one of the pieces I wrote with Joe called Tongues. Would you like to go eat? Isn't it time to eat? I don't mind. We don't have to. It's up to you. Didn't we eat already? Did we? I thought we did. That was before, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. It must have been. Well, we don't have to. No, I don't mind. Only if you're hungry. Are you hungry? I must be. I'm not all that hungry myself. You're not? No, not really. I mean, I'd have something if you wanted something. But you, you wouldn't eat if you were on your own? No, I don't, I don't think so. You'd just be eating for my sake? Well, I'd have something with you, a little something. I don't want to force you to have something if you're not hungry. I'm a little bit hungry, not enough for a full meal. I'm famished. You are? Absolutely starved. I'm so hungry, I could eat a house. Why didn't you say something? Because I thought you weren't hungry. I'm always hungry. Just being polite. So hungry, I could eat a horse. Then we should eat. Nothing I ate could satisfy this hunger I'm having right now. (laughs) Well, let's find a place then. This hunger knows no bounds. (laughs) This hunger is eating me alive. It's so hungry. Just just hang on. We'll find something. (laughs) Nothing we find will satisfy it. Absolutely nothing. Whatever we find won't be enough. 
It will only subside for a little while. It won't disappear. It will come back. It will be stronger when it comes back. It will devour everything in sight when it comes back. It will eat me alive when it comes back. It will be ravenous when it comes back. It will devour me whole when it comes back. It will go through all the food in the world when it comes back. It will go through all the possessions in the world when it comes back. It will go through all the sex in the world when it comes back. It will go through all the power in the world when it comes back. It will go through all the ideas in the world when it comes back. It will go through all the goods in the world when it comes back. When it comes back, there'll be no stopping it when it comes back. When it comes back, there'll be no appeasing it when it comes back. When it comes back, there'll be nothing left but the hunger itself when it comes back. Nothing left but the hunger eating the hunger when it comes back. Nothing left but the hunger eating itself. Nothing left but the hunger. This is also from tongues. When you die, you go straight to heaven or hell. When you die, you disintegrate into energy. When you die, reborn into another body. When you die, you turn to shit. When you die, you travel to other planets. When you die, you get to start all over. When you die, you get marked in the book. When you die, you're rejoined with your ancestors. When you die, all your dreams will come true. When you die, you'll speak to the angels. When you die, you'll get what you deserve. When you die, It's absolutely final. When you die, you never come back. When you die, you die forever. When you die, it's the end of your life. Thank you.
I'd like to thank Sam Shepherd for this remarkable evening and thank you all for coming. Good night. See you again.